0: Dr. Michael Yusuf, beginning this episode of Leading the Way.
1: The vast majority of people, whenever they ask the question, when you die, will you go to heaven? the answer, well, I sure hope so. Or certainly my good deeds will outweigh all my bad deeds. And that should get me to heaven. I want you to listen very carefully. Because in the final analysis, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what others think. What matters is what God said. And God said in John chapter 3 verse 3 that you will not go to heaven unless you become born again.
0: Welcome to Leading the Way with pastor, author, and international Bible teacher, Dr. Michael Yusuf. When living on earth, Jesus impacted all those he encountered, often giving clarity to questions about life, death, and eternity. Today, Dr. Yusuf takes you to one of those moments as he continues his series, Encountering Christ. I hope you'll be able to pause where you are today and experience an encounter with the Saviour. In fact, if you have spiritual questions, visit ltw.org slash Jesus. One of our pastoral team would be honoured to have a faith conversation with you. LTW.org slash Jesus. Listen with me now as Dr. Michael Yusuf begins today's Leading the Way. Probably there is no
1: subject that is more confusing and people are confused about than the question of who goes to heaven. It really is. There are so many conflicting views and opinions on the subject. And everyone who holds a view forcefully and strongly holds onto that view. Hollywood has its view. And it's forcefully communicated in every movie that you see. And it's simply this. Everyone, when they die, they go to heaven. Everyone, when they die, they become an angel. And, of course, they have a megaphone, the movie industry, and they push that view on people in general. The atheists and the agnostics, they have their strong views. They believe that heaven and hell are basically a myth. Heaven and hell are a figment of one's imagination. When you die, you die, and that's it. They, too, emphasize their view very strongly. I want you to listen very carefully, because in the final analysis, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what others think. It doesn't matter what Hollywood says. It doesn't matter what you think. What matters is what God said. And God said in John chapter 3, verse 3, that you will not go to heaven unless you become born again. Now, I want to read the verse to you in case you think I'm making the stuff up. John 3, 3. Here's what Jesus said. I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God. That is another word for heaven where God is going to rule supreme, where he is the king of kings, unless he is born again. If Jesus said only those who are born again shall see heaven, shall enter into heaven, shall get to heaven, then every human being who ever lives need to find out what that term means. Wouldn't you want to know if Jesus, who is God of very God, who coexisted with the Father before all worlds, came from heaven to earth and said, no one is going to enter into heaven unless they're born again. Wouldn't you just say, at least you want to know what that means? After comprehending and understanding what he's saying and understanding what that term means, it's up to you to accept it or reject it. It's your decision. So in John chapter 3, we meet a man by the name of Nicodemus. Oh, listen, this is not an elderly man. This is a significant man. This is a powerful man. This is a very prominent man in society. This is a member of the Supreme Court equivalent of our day. He is a learned man. He is a leading man. He is a religious man. He kept the ceremonial law of the Old Testament meticulously. Not only that, but he even kept the interpretations of the ceremonial law. Through the years, the rabbis have added all kinds of interpretations in Mishnah and Talmud, and they added those books, and and this man was faithful to even the interpretations of the rabbis of the ceremonial law. He was a religious man of a religious man, (laughs) if there ever was one. And when you know all of that, you have to wonder, why did he come to Jesus at all? (laughs) Why? He's a religious man. I mean, this group of Pharisees, they saw themselves to be cut above, morally above everybody else. They're superior to everybody else. And yet, he comes to Jesus. Why? Because all of the outward religiosity failed to give him real satisfaction in life. All of this outward religious observance failed to get him. The answer to the most desperate question that his heart was seeking, that his mind was seeking, And so he watched Jesus and he saw someone who healed the sick without a charge, who raised the dead by the power of his word, uh, someone who fed the hungry and touched the leper, someone who forgave the sins of others, someone who spoke with authority. He didn't say, Rabbi so-and-so said. He said, I say to you, he was uh, somebody who was in control of the weather and the wind and the storms. And he saw What he knew is not your run-of-the-mill, rabbi. At that point, Nicodemus became convinced that Jesus is not just another teacher. (laughs) But he still was trying to protect his reputation as morally superior and religious man. And he comes to Jesus under the cover of dark. He comes to him that night. He doesn't come in the daytime so everybody can see him and say, Oh, he's a Jesus freak. Oh, my goodness, he don't want to be called one of those Jesus people. So he comes to him at night, still. He wanted to know, longing to know. His heart is asking the question, if I die, will I go to heaven? What's going to happen to me? All of my religion is not helping me. All of the rituals is not helping me. All of the traditions are not helping me. I want to know. So he comes to him at night, and he says to him, we know. We know. Who's that we? Uh, beloved, listen to me. Nicodemus was not alone among the members of the Sanhedrin, that is, the Supreme Court of Israel at the time. He was not the only one who can see the power of Jesus, the Messiahship of Jesus. He was afraid of the peer pressure. They were afraid of the peer pressure, and let me tell you something. One of the great things that keep people from coming to Christ is the peer pressure. Yes. Your return alive is far more important than all of the peers in the world. Don't be intimidated by them. Don't be afraid of. And so it comes to Jesus, and Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth. Until you are born again, you cannot see heaven. You will not see heaven. Do you know what that felt like to a man like this? Put yourself in his place. I mean, when Jesus said that to him, this was like a torpedo that was absolutely. Cutting through all of his efforts and all of his trying and all of his hard work and all of trying to please God, trying to get to God His way. Born again. I mean, this was like a sharp knife slicing all of his preconceived notion of who God is and how to come to God. Born again. (laughs) This is like a sword that is piercing through the heart of his false belief. I tell you the truth to Jesus. Another translation probably in some of the Bible, says, truly, truly I say to you. The old English translation says, verily, verily I say to you. <laughs> All of that means one thing, that Jesus is using an emphatic language to emphasize the importance of what he's saying. Yeah. This is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Please don't let it go in one ear and come out the other. The word, again, can mean a second time or radical, a new thing that has to happen to you or, or from above or, or something has to happen from God. What is he saying? He is saying that to go to heaven, God has to do something to you. <laughs> That's what it means. <laughs> it is not what you do for God. It's what God does to you. <laughs> You see, it's not what you do, it's what he does in you. It was he does in me, what he did in the lives of so many people. And that's why Jesus told Nicodemus that the answer to all of that is that you must be born again. Nicodemus became puzzled. Well, how can an old man, well, really, I mean, how can anybody, even the third grader, I mean, it doesn't matter, Have to be old or young. How can anyone go into his mother's womb and be born again? Which gave Jesus an opening to explain to him the reality that he should have understood from his Old Testament book. I'm going to explain that to you. It gave him the opening to explain why this is do or die, being born again thing. It is the absolute necessity thing. It's the most important decision in life thing. There is nothing you can do in life that can be more important than this. And Jesus was saying, in a sense, trying harder is not the answer. Trying to do your level best is not the answer. Trying to do better the next time is not the answer. The reason you fail and you fail again and again and again is because there is something wrong, not with what you do, but there's something wrong with who you are. There's something wrong with what you are. And with all of us. With all of us. Only Jesus can change your life. Only Jesus can fill your life. Only Jesus can assure you of eternal life. Only Him. Until you come to the realization, until you come to that realization, until you come face to face with this truth, until you realize that we're all born with a, a DNA of sin in us, every one of us, every human being that's ever lived, until then, you're going to keep on trying and failing and trying and failing and frustrated with life. Only when you come face to face with this truth. What truth? The truth that this radical DNA called sin is something we're born with, every one of us. This radical DNA called sin is precisely what brought Jesus from heaven to earth. This radical DNA called sin is what held Jesus on that cross until He died and satisfied the Father's justice and then he was buried, and on the third day he rose again victoriously. Until you come to that moment of realization, until you stop fooling yourself, you will never begin the process of being born again. Verse 5, Jesus repeats it again. I tell you the truth. No one... Can enter the kingdom of God. No, can go to heaven unless he is born of the Spirit and water. Amen. I can tell you, I have been nearly forty years in the ministry now, and I have seen it all. And I can testify to you, the one thing that keeps people from becoming born again, the one thing that keeps them, is their unwillingness to admit that they are sinners. Ooh, call me sinner. It's their unwillingness to admit that they can never save themselves in a million years and only Jesus can forgive their sins. Their pride. What do you mean somebody else's... I do it myself. Their unwillingness to admit that they are helpless to transform their own lives. You see, in the Hebrew language, the word ruach, It means breath. It also means spirit. It also means wind. One word. And you have to understand it from the context of what it means. And so Jesus takes this use of the language that this great scholar understood and says, the wind blows where it wishes. See, the wind is sovereign. You see it on television. Every time we're going to hit by a hurricane, the weather forecasters, they're helpless. They look at this hurricane, show you the map, and they said, well, you know, if it blows out the sea, we'll be all right. If it blows and land, we'll in trouble. Nobody can tell the wind where to go. Nobody can tell that hurricane where to go. And Jesus is making the point here, just as you cannot predict that wind, the Holy Spirit can blow on you. He is sovereign. He is sovereign Spirit of God. Nicodemus, being a religious scholar, Jesus said, you should have understood this. You really should have understood this. You say, how come there are so many references to the coming of the Messiah in the Old Testament that this man has studied and memorized in the book of Isaiah, in the book of Ezekiel, in the book of Jeremiah. It's repeated over and over again, that when the Messiah come, He is the one who is going to bring a, a new heart. And when the Messiah come, He is the one who's going to take the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. He is the one who brings rebirth. He is the one who's going to bring spiritual birth. He is the one who can bring a new heart. He is the one, and it's right there. But Nicodemus missed it because the Spirit had not opened his eyes yet. But then Jesus zooms in on one specific reference in the Old Testament that Nicodemus should have understood instinctively. And that's found in the book of Numbers 21. Now, they all should have understood it. I have to explain it to the 21st century. (laughs) Many of you know or remember that when the people of Israel, when the people of God came out of the slavery of Egypt, and before they got into the Promised Land, they stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. And you know why? Because they hardened their heart toward God. And my goodness, even in the wilderness, they moaned, they complained, they murmured against God, they fussed and they fumed, and they were angry at God, they were angry at Moses, they were angry at everybody. Finally, God had enough. How many of you believe that one day God is going to say, I've had enough? Yeah. And the judgment is going to come. Amen. It's in the book. And so he sent them a fiery serpents that were biting them. And from that bite of that fiery serpent, they were dying. Now, for those bites, <laughs> there were no vaccine, no antidotes, no medication. Only God could deliver them. From that deadly bite, just like only God can deliver us from sin, it's like only God can take us to heaven. Only God can deliver us from that DNA of sin with which we are born. Remember the DNA I told you about? Only God can do that. So God said to Moses, "said Moses, here's what you need to do." He said, "Get a bronze serpent," and I'm going to explain that to you because it's very important. He said, "Get a bronze serpent." and hold it real high so that everyone in obedience looks at that bronze serpent, be healed, and live, and not die. Well, Moses did exactly what God told him. Was there power in that bronze serpent? No. You know where the power was? The power was taking place in the life of the person who in obedience looked up to that bronze serpent. It is the power of the authority of the very God whom they insulted, whom they denigrated, whom they complained against, whom they denounced and denied. It is the very authority and power of that same God. It is the power of that very God could heal them from what caused them death. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Some of you have probably heard this story for the first time and saying to yourself, but isn't that sound foolish? What is this thing, a a bronze serpent, a person looks at it and can live instead of die? It's like today. A lot of people think it's foolishness to say that somebody died on a cross 2,000 years ago can be the only one who can assure you of heaven, is the only one who can take you to heaven. A lot of people call that foolishness. I understand. Back then, they thought it was foolishness too. Today, they think the cross is foolishness. If you have not read my book, When the Crosses Are Gone, you see, the people who are removing the crosses from public life, they know the power of the cross more than some Christians do. That's why they want to take it out of public eye. It's the power of the cross that saves. It's the power of the cross that can take you to heaven. It's the power of the cross that can bring you eternal healing. Why is this serpent lifted up? Why is a serpent not something else? Listen carefully. You see, in the Bible, serpent has always been associated with sin. Remember when Satan came and tempted Adam and Eve and he said, Did God really say that? And brought doubt to their mind and they fell in disobedience. The devil used a serpent, he spoke through a serpent. And when Jesus was lifted up on the cross, he carried all of the sin of everyone who would come and believe in him. He became sin for us. And the only one who can be sin for us is a sinless person. And because he's sinless and perfect and holy in every way, when you look, we look at that cross, we receive eternal healing. Hear me right, please. No doubt back then there were some people who did not look at that bronze serpent. What is this foolish thing? You look up there and you get healed. I'm not going to do that. And they died. Some ridiculed it probably and they died. Oh, but everyone who looked in obedience was healed. In the same way, Jesus said to this man, Nicodemus, he said, when you look to the Son of God who lifted up on that cross, when you look up to Him as your substitute, when you look to him, in repentance to him, when you look to him, in belief in him, when you look at him for forgiveness of all your sins, when you look to him for salvation, when you look up to him in obedience, you'll be assured of heaven. Who's going to heaven? According to Jesus, everyone who comes to him and sees that on the cross that his blood was shed, was shared
0: for you. Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Yusuf for leading the way. His message was called, who is going to heaven? If you'd like to have a conversation about heaven, we'd invite you to visit ltw.org/jesus. There are compassionate pastors who'd love to talk or correspond online exploring your questions. ltw.org/jesus. You know, Leading the Way has broadcast the truth of the gospel for more than 30 years. The first broadcast was a radio outreach to the city of Atlanta, where Dr. Yusuf continues to serve as pastor of the Church of the Apostles. It was a creative effort to use media to reach those disconnected from church and introduce them to the person of Jesus. And that mission and passion continues today around the world. Recently, Dr. Yusuf received a testimony from Melbourne, who wrote, I've struggled in the past with drug addiction, wasting away my life and time. For the past 10 years, I've managed to control my drug use, until I recently began to use again due to being lonely and depressed. I've had a full-time job for two years now, and I ended up wasting what money I make on using because I had nothing else to do. Please pray for me. I want to be free. I watch Leading the Way with Dr. Yusuf every Sunday morning. I love all that you say and the truth that you stand for. Thank you for letting me share this struggle with you. Friends, Leading the Way is privileged to be a part of this woman's introduction to Christ and is excited to walk with her as she continues to grow in her faith. If you'd like to learn more of Leading the Way's ministry in your neighborhood and neighborhoods around the world, Call 1-300-133-589 1-300-133-589 Or visit ltw.org ltw.org Before we run out of time for today, I would
1: like to invite you to share how God is using this program to encourage you in your walk of faith. If leading the way is part of that, we would want to know. Please call us at one 300 589 And we just might share it on the program. Once again, the number is one 300 589 Do it today. Thank you in advance, and
0: God bless. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world.